0: You ready to get into it? Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Bringing you another amazing interview, a hashing it out interview, doing it the way we love. I'm here solo dolo today. Well, not solo dolo. I'm interviewing someone. But as far as hosts go, I'm solo on this one. Uh, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about decentralized messaging, and I'm joined with Frank Royer.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: And he wanted us no he wanted us to call him Waku guy. So we're gonna call him Waku. He's the Waku guy. And we're gonna go all into what Waku is, but before we do that,
1: Frank, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh yeah, sure. Hi, I'm I'm Frank or Frank, uh, if you want. <laughs> um yeah I'm a software engineer and tech lead for the past 10 years. Um been in the blockchain ecosystem since 2018 and uh, joined Status in 2021 uh, to work on Waku, more specifically is a browser client uh, at first.
0: Nice, nice. So uh, I'm trying not to just dive straight into Waku, but I feel like that's the only way to do it, right? So for those unfamiliar with what Waku is, uh, could you give us like a a quick brief message like a a brief overview of of waku and then we're going to try to peel away the layers and get a little bit deeper
1: so waku is a family of protocols um a software suite a network that enables ephemeral communication in uh, a decentralized manner um being decentralized is it's just i would say a technical way of having privacy-minded censorship resistant um communication that yeah i will stop it here and i feel like we can probably talk right. more about it i like that
0: so it's ephemer- this uh, this word i have trouble with in my life ephemeral uh, communication network um okay so i do know that there's a lot of projects working on decentralized messaging, but when you say decentralized messaging, uh, I don't think a lot of people quite understand what it is and why it's needed. So, I guess we could start there. Like, what is decentralized messaging in comparison to what people are used to, and then we'll, we'll go to the tail end of that question.
1: Um, yeah. So, so if we I mean, address address first. What is Communication and messaging. So, uh, by messaging or communication, we just mean being able to send a message, some data, some information, uh, from from one device to another, from one user to another. And, and the ephemeral part is just to say that we're focusing in getting the data there in a, in a timely manner, and we're not worried in ensuring the, the data stays there forever. We're not uh, worried about storage or about uh, longevity of the data. We just, you know, send a message, and then once whoever is supposed to get a message got the message, uh, we kind of like, can forget about it. Um, then, in terms of, of decentralised, so I think it's good to to look at how the internet works today to, to explain the need here. So, um, so I mean, internet, you know, what is the internet? It's it's a way, it's a network where computers can talk to each other. So that's basically a global network where computers can talk to each other. And the way the internet has evolved is that it moved to uh, a configuration where uh, some companies run servers and then users, you and me, we are going to use clients. So your mobile phone, your browser, your your laptop most likely connect to to server owned by some company. And and that's how we are able to communicate. My laptop connects to a server, your mobile phone connects to a server, and now my laptop and your mobile phone can send messages to each other. Uh, the problem with that is uh, is twofold. One is that this middleman uh, can can watch your activity, and, and even if you are using encryptions and and other strategy, they can still access something about your activity. Uh, for example, they can just know that you and me we, we like to talk to each other. They don't know what we're talking about, but they know the social graph, uh, and they can exploit that you know and try to build uh, a data-driven profile or, or or to surveillance on you. Uh, and the other problem is that if uh, if this company has uh, you know use providers, they have to use a payment network, they have to use uh, some hosting provider, uh, and this provider don't really like what we talk about or what kind of activity we do, then this company could be forced just for competition reasons, just so that they can you know continue to operate, they could be forced to deplatform us, to deplatform their users, and say, well, what this user is doing is not illegal, but my my other companies don't like it, so I have to deplatform it. Uh, they perform them. And, and that's uh, the current state of things, you know, nowadays, like how 99% of, of the internet works today. So the uh, so solution to, to, to these two problems is try to remove this, this server, which is owned by one company that we call centralized in the way they inform central entity that is operating these servers. Uh, and, and decentralize it and say, okay, let's try to make it so that it's not one entity we're going to have to use, but a multitude of entities uh, which, are, which may be companies, which may be some users, which may be some, you know, university, any kind of entity could run uh, these servers and, and that means that no one will have uh, one view of the whole network and be able to look at metadata and no one will have the com- the power to be able to deplatform someone so meaning that maybe someone will say okay i'm going to to bind this IP. i'm going to stop these users but this user will have a way to connect to just another node another server to be able to access the network uh, and so that's, that's the decentralized part so uh, as i mentioned decentralized is, is a nice technical property but it's not the end goal the end goal is to uh, enable privacy uh, so that as a user you can choose when to reveal information to whoever you want to reveal information and to and try to stop the platforming or the possibility mm. to to be uh, booted out of a platform because what you're doing is not something else that uh, something that other people with control agree on. agree. Mm. No,
0: so that's the biggest part about it is just removing. We're saying decentralized. We're removing the server. It's usually user- yeah. We remove
1: this uh, one central server which is operated by one company.
0: Got it. Many. Not many servers, but many different failure points. And then you can't just boot people off, right? Exactly. If they can, they want a message, they can message. Okay, that's good. Now, I guess moving it to Logos, right? We've mentioned Logos several times before on the podcast. And guess what, audience? We're going to continue to mention Logos because it's what we do. But Waku is considered one of the foundational projects of Logos. Why is that?
1: So, yeah, as I mentioned, the... Uh the internet is is the foundational technology in today's world, in the modern world. Uh, And what the internet does is enabling devices to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what Boku does is is that enabling devices, people to talk to each other, but without having uh, these central parties that have an authority and can get people put off. So um, actually if you look in, in the decentralized world, uh nowadays if you when you build your decentralized app you're going to be on ethereum and so you have this interaction with the centralized system mm-hmm. um, which well nobody you knows permissionless anyone can deploy smart contract in ethereum anyone can uh run the ethereum node um but it's it's not meant for communication it's, it's just here for the contract part of things so we're just trying to have an equivalent here to, to communicate and uh and communication is is the, the best layer for any kind of interaction between people between software so so that's why it's foundational it is it we're trying we're just trying to basically fix the internet here we're trying to to make it in a way uh where it has nicer properties uh which the one we, we talked about earlier.
0: okay and so why is secure ephemeral messaging like so foundational to these decentralized applications, right? Like, why is this needed, like, it's absolutely needed?
1: So, because um, this is what enables any kind of interaction communication. So maybe we can go into some use cases to kind of have an idea. Yeah, so Oh, we can. To, I was uh, gonna ask you that
0: but we can go straight into some use cases. Let's, let's give us some examples.
1: So, um, so let's look at any kind of social media or any kind of social platform. And that can be, I think chat messages is, chat messaging is is, a, is always a top use case. Um, this is communication. So being able to send a message to one or a group of people, it, it is communication. Uh, and as we say, you know, nowadays if you want to do that, uh, you might be deplatformed uh, or the, the data that companies have access to can be used to uh, to exploit uh you or to build the advertisement profile um and if we look beyond social media any kind of um communication from computer to computer is in some way ephemeral, and so uh and it, again it has these properties where today with centralized uh infrastructure then you you end up having um to be, You can be worried about the performing and, uh, and about being censored, and about privacy. So maybe if we go a bit more into the privacy part of things. Um, when you... What we're trying to provide here is a system where you are just... We are not able to build a profile on you. So like nobody has this view on all the messages and all the, uh, you know, data flow, basically, all the messages being sent across the network so that they are able to build a profile on you and be able to either survey you or maybe create a profile or, or any kind of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and with BlockWiz, we're trying to build here so that we're going to go to a way where we don't want them to know what application you're using. We don't want to be able to know uh, who you are talking to. Uh, and for that, we have to go and build from the ground up and have uh, in, uh, this infrastructure. Um, at the end of the day, we are, you know, we are all humans and interaction, and we are social beings. So we need to have these social interactions to be able to to operate. And what Waku does is enable these social interactions. Um, so that's that's why it, it is fundamental and it is a pillar. I was interesting that any sort of application you build could benefit of Waku uh, in some way. Even if it's a if it's a blockchain, you could use Waku actually in some way to to get some of these benefits.
2: All right. So we're back for round two of the Franck interview. I've been saying your name wrong for what appears to be years now. I mean, I've been saying it right as an American, but Franck Royer back for round two. I wanted to get a piece of the interview because for those that don't know, I also am peripherally a part of, of Waku. uh, And we actually all are in some way, shape or form. And I have, additional context or questions that I'd like to kind of dive into in this. And I think in the first interview, we got a a really good, uh, foundation as to like why Waku exists, what is decentralized messaging, um, how it fits into the ecosystem and kind of what's wrong with the internet as it is today. But I wanted to dive further into some of the details on how it works and maybe some of the trade-offs as you build up from like Waku Relay into the different protocols that are available that are built on top of Waku Relay. So like to start, can you give me like the concept of a gossip network? Like what is a gossip network and how are messages passed around this?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So when you move from a a centralized traditional architecture, I usually have one server, maybe a fleet of server, Each can just connect to one server, and that's how you have communication between clients, because Alice and Bob connect to one server and so they can talk through the server. Now, when you have a decentralized and what we call unmanaged peer-to-peer network, where there's no central authority who is going to say, this message goes this way, this message goes that way, uh, you have to form kind of a topology or like, to, to the nodes need to connect to each other in a way that allows messages to go through all the nodes, um, and there's a few ways to do that. So one you know, simplistic way to do it would be for a node to try to connect to any other node. So trying to find new nodes and just do all connections. the connections. Problem with that is that it's not very really scalable um, because more you connect, uh, if you connect to a certain different nodes then you have to have the bandwidth and the memory to be able to support that. Um, and if every time you see a message you send it to all other nodes in the network then very fast it's going to um, everyone is going to see the same message thousand times. Um, so an alternative to that is uh, what we call gossip sub. Uh, and the way it work is that a given node is going to uh, have a few neighbors. So the good parameter, is six neighbors. So it's going to find nodes and it's going to try to maintain connection to maybe I say 10, 20 nodes. But in terms of the node you consider in its neighborhood or mesh, uh, it would just select like six of them. So now when I receive a message, I will forward this message to only six of the nodes. Instead of trying to forward it to every node I know, to just six of them. And I know you can see, um, we can see a tapestry of, of dots and, and line between some of those dots. Then you can see a message can then go from one end of, of the mesh and then slowly propagate through the mesh with every node for the message you receive to six of their peers. So you see have some duplication in the way that uh, I may receive the same message from two, three, four of my neighbors, but it's in terms of scale, it's much lesser than hosting the message from all the other nodes in the network. Um, so yeah, so gossiping, so you gossip to your neighbors and, and the pubsot part, um, well, when I agree with my neighbors that we are going to be neighbors and we are going to be in the same mesh, uh, we do talk about okay, what are we interested in? What topic um, are we interested in? And, and so, the topic, the pub sub topic, is a way to say, hey, I'm interested in cats. And, uh, and this guy is also interested in cats, so I'm going to include him in my neighbor. And this other guy is interested in dogs, so I'm not going to include him in my neighbor because he doesn't really care about cat memes. All right. And that's uh, basically the idea of the pub sub is that um, people subscribe to a topic, I'm aware that they are subscribed to this topic and so when i forward the message I only forward i will publish forward the message to this nodes that are subscribed to the topic uh yeah so for those who can see the the image so um you can see how there is some connections between the, no- the nodes uh but not connection between all the nodes uh, and that's basically gossip it's in a nutshell
2: in so we should probably address the cat in the room here um Jesse has, has decided that he is now uh, a non-person and would be doing all videos with some virtual avatar. In the process of doing that, he's also put up a graphic of uh, a gossip network here, which is basically, if I were to repeat that back to you, um, a l- well-connected group of nodes. It's not everyone's connected to all people. You connect to a specific number of people. So you have a selected number of neighbors for gossip sub that is six people so every person tries to maintain six connections and then when a message gets passed it passes to its message it passes that message to all of its six neighbors so on and so forth until basically the entire network has been saturated with that message right so that allows some redundancy and some sensors like some censorship resistance some some resiliency in the network so if one person goes out the message still gets routed and saturates the network and i think that was an important distinction that needs to be made here is that like when, when D was asking a question in the previous episode, I'm not sure if it'll make it in, into the air. Um, it was, I'm sending a message to someone, right? And that's not necessarily what we're doing with Gossip Sub or Waku. I'm broadcasting a message and someone knows where to listen. I think that's an important distinction to make.
1: Yes. And maybe, maybe some, some subtle details there. So with Waku. Uh, there's a few things we want to achieve. So with Voku, we want to to make it scalable so that it can support millions of users. And we want to make it privacy-friendly. And by privacy-friendly, what we mean is that we want to enable developers to be able to dial uh, what we call the the anonymity trilemma. So there's no perfect privacy and anonymity. So there's no perfect system that is going to be uh, fully anonymous and fast and efficient. Uh, it's one or the other, you know? So if you want it to be anonymous, then it may take some more time for message to go through, like the latency, the, the time for message to go from A to B may take more time. Uh, and if you want it to be faster, then maybe the message will have to be either bigger or you would have to uh, message to be less anonymous. And with Waku, we just want to give these tools to the developers so they can decide how anonymous uh, they want Things to be, and of course, anonymous can mean a lot of things. Um, so, usually, for example, we talk for example, uh, linking the IP with uh, the message and tracing into, so saying, okay, oh, this guy is really into cats, and, and saying, okay, anonymous meaning that we can't link the IP and the interest into cats. Um, so, so, in the case of uh, of a ghosty submesh, what happens that within within this this ghosty sub network, then everyone receives the message, so it's published and everyone can receive the message. Which means that if this message is for one single recipient, it's very hard to know who was the recipient, who is the internet recipient, or to find the IP of this mm-hmm. recipient, uh, simply because everyone receives a message, including the recipient. And maybe the recipient is the only one that can decrypt the message and hence read it. But decryption is local to your device, so nobody on the network will be able to see that. Uh, and that was practical with GossipSub, is that it gives you good uh, recipient anonymity or unlikeability, you can't link the IP with the recipient of the message. So you can't say, oh, this message was sent to this IP. Um, of course, it does mean that it's not as fast because the message has to go through the network, has to go through a number of nodes, the number of servers, computers, before reaching the recipient, um, but it's more than But with Waku, the idea is that you could also, if you want something where you don't care about IP privacy, but you want things to be faster, then you could have Ice and Bob find a way to connect directly to each other so there's no hope in the middle, but now Alice and Bob know each other IP. And we just want to give these tools to the so that they can decide the level of privacy or maybe even, you know, forward this decision to the user that can have, you know, some options and settings where they decide to have something more uh, faster or something more private.
0: I, I got a question. So why is, it, why is it special number six? Like, Can you gossip to more than six people? Or was that just, was that just an abstract number you threw out there? Can, what happens if you do, what happens if you throw a lot of gossip out there? You know, it's, you spill in the tea, what's, what,
1: what happens then? So, um, so as you could see in the, in the previous graph, there were some plain lines and some dotted lines. So mm-hmm. you can connect to several nodes and then in terms of who you choose to be in your mesh, uh, that was a plain line. So the number of six is, is the recommended number, uh, there's a lower bound and upper bound. So. Uh, I think the lower bound is 2 and twelve, and the upper is 12. Um, so you want to end between 2 and 12 and 6 being recommended. In terms of where this number comes from, uh, so Gossip Sub, or more particularly, p 2 p Gossip Sub uh, was designed by Protocol Labs, and they have run a number of studies on their first version, or version 1.1, and, um, and so they run some simulations, and number 6 was a good number uh, out of the simulation, where you had uh, above, I think, above ninety-six or ninety-seven percent of messaging being received within a few seconds. So I don't know exactly. We can share uh, the paper with anyone interested, or they can just look for Protocol Labs gossip sub uh, stu- um, analysis paper, and uh, and that's where it comes from. So Protocol Labs had done simulations, and they found out that these boundaries or these parameters were a good one to have uh, good latency and a good. Um, Reliability in terms of hosting
2: the message. Yeah, and add, um, add to that, more generally speaking, um, the, the trade off you're making here is bandwidth consumption and redundancy and computation, like how much work it takes to propagate a message and how fast that message gets propagated. So if you look at it from um, each extreme, right? each we, If you just start with one, each person maintains one connection in the network, right? That means that. You have a very inefficient network in terms of how a message gets propagated across, right? Because if everyone relays a message, then you basically have to route that message to every single person with the in number of hops in being the the, the size of the network, right? But there's no redundancy. So basically everyone gets that message once. But if we do the opposite of that and everyone is connected to everyone else, that's a fully connected mesh or a fully connected network, then... Everyone receives that message, in number of times. Basically, they just keep you just you just redundantly keep receiving it, but you get it really really fast. And so there's a trade off somewhere in the middle of like how many how do we maintain the minimum amount of connections and message redundancy while maximizing while minimizing the latency, the time it takes to completely saturate the network with that message, right? And so. You're looking for somewhere in the middle so that you you get this kind of sender receiver anonymity while also still having some reasonable uh, like latency and bandwidth consumption associated with sending a message. And so based on those simulations that protocol labs have done, six was a good way was a good number, it was the best number they found for gossip sub. And that's what Walkers built on. Mm.
0: It's the magic number then. Okay. we're gossip. So, Do you know what the uh, what the redundancy
3: of messaging is and what's the what was the size of the network that it was deemed that like d is the degree of connectivity between between nodes like in terms of neighbors that they connect to. And then you should probably talk about like the DHT and how that actually works as well. That would be relevant to uh, the conversation in terms of trying to understand why it's d6. d equals 6.
1: Um, so, no, I don't, I don't remember the, the figures, um, I could put them up, I'm sure. I mean, it's just in the paper, so no, I, sorry, I don't remember the figures on top of my head. Um, in terms of DHC, I guess, like I'm zooming back is a question, okay, so we are creating a gossip subnetwork, we want to connect to a number of nodes, and we want to have a mesh with six other peers. Uh, so now how do you find these nodes? because again we don't have a central authority that is going to list all the nodes uh, or you don't want to do that because you want to be decentralized, you don't want a single point of failure. So so we, we use um, what we call disk v5 V5 or discovery v5, uh, which is as you mentioned DHT. so it's a, it's a mechanism that is going to try to find um, to, to find new nodes. and the way it works is that, um, so you just always have to have a bootstrap. You always have to have an entry point to the network. Um, and that can be some hard-coded addresses in your code. Uh, it can be some hard-coded uh, some addresses which are being listed on a, on a DNS, on a record, um, or on an ENS as well, if you want. So there is various ways to manage bootstrap. But when a node starts, it needs, it needs to know or it needs to find a way to get some initial immunity address to connect to nodes in the network. And once it's connecting to nodes in the network, uh, with uh, DCFI, basically what it does is ask for, it asks, connect so connects to Bob, so Alice connects to Bob and say, hey Bob, do you know any other node from this network? And Bob say, hey yes, I know Carol. And then Alice can connect to Carol and ask the same thing. And just do that uh, a few times and end up with a list of nodes that now Alice can connect to. And so that now Alice can have, can be, can know maybe 20 nodes in the network. Uh, she can connect to 10, and she can have six of them in her gossip sub mesh. Uh, and that's, so that's the DHT, uh, in, in very layman abstract terms.
2: So now we can assume you know, we have this this gossip sub network, right? That is, what is, what is the difference between libp2p gossip sub and what waku provides why don't people just use the p2p gossip sub what like why would they why would they want to use waku at least like we're we're going to start with just relay right relay is the kind of foundational protocol for how waku works what does that add on top of a gossip sub network
1: so in terms of um so terms of waku versus the p2p gossip server what waku adds in general um is there's a number of bidding blocks but i think the most important part is being a service network. So, LiP2P is, uh, is a great library that anyone can use to uh, add to their software. And then they have to run the software and have other people to run the software so that they can have can build this peer to peer network. Uh, the issue with that is that you have to convince people to run your software so that you have enough of uh, network effect to have enough nodes in network size decentralized. Uh, if you build a software and you're the only one running the 10 nodes, then it's not really decentralized. Um, and so lib 2 p works great, uh, great for, um, for 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 big projects, you know, or projects that group uh, big. So you know uh, Ethereum being a, a perfect example. Um, however, when you when you want to bootstrap your own project, you have this initial point in time where you're you're the only one interesting the project, or maybe you have a small following, um, and, and may not want to be, you may not be able to onboard technical people to run the nodes. Uh, Waku as a service network is ideas as the Waku network exists and a number of people are running the Waku node and you want to have centralized communication in your project so you, and you don't have to create your own peer-to-peer network. So you can jump in and you can uh, pay for the Waku network in, in, in some manner that we have still to, to design, um, but then you have, you have your app, using communication and using the Waku network as the backbone. So I would say the the main thing that Waku adds to Lp2p is this service network, the fact that people would be incentivized to run nodes so that as a developer, you can use this network to have decentralized communication. Um, In terms of of, uh, Lp2p Gossip Sub versus Waku Relay, just for this part, there's not that much differences at this point in time. Uh, just like if you look, you know, if you look at the spec of our Kurole, uh you can see it's basically a DP2P gossip sub, we change some parameters, but there's not much difference there. What's important is what we build on top of that. So on top of our Kurole, we are looking at protocols to either add spam protection um, and, and ways to, ways to rate limit the number of messages that, that someone can send uh, so that nobody does the network. Uh, we are looking at Sharding the network. So instead of having one gossip subnetwork where everyone receives everyone else messages, uh, which is of course not realistic when you have ten million users, uh, you can't expect a home connection to uh, support the traffic of ten million users. Uh, What we do is that we split the whole network in in smaller gossip subnetworks, so that uh, each shard or each gossip subnetwork um, can have a more predictable number of. I I would say more predictable bandwidth consumption. Uh, So the idea is to couple the spam protection, which limits the number of messages um, with number of max users you could have for the network. and now you have a predictable max bandwidth on upload and download for each consumer. Now you know that, okay, if I use Waku, then it might use at max this much upload and this much download. Um, So yeah, so Waku, per se, is very similar to SipSub. It's what we build on top of it. Uh, that is really
0: valuable.
3: Does that
1: so slow down? Waku
2: was, oh, go ahead. Go, go for it, Kitty. Get him, Kitty. There so, so
3: Waku was built right for the purpose of messaging in the context of the Status Chat app, right? So, could you like elaborate on the kind of additional layers of protocols built on top of Relay that serve yeah. the Status App?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned, when I mentioned spam protection and sharding, that was uh, very specific to, to the Gossip Sub uh, network. Uh, and that is the backbone. You know, that's where you, that's how you broadcast messages or uh, get messages sent across in a decentralized manner. Now, when you are looking at a, at a browser or a mobile phone, you uh, can't really use Relay per se. It's harder because when you want to use Relay, you have to you know, find these nodes and then connect to these nodes and then get the mesh sorted. And that takes some time. Even if it takes a few seconds, uh, we all know that if you open a web page, you expect it to work very fast, You know, and you can't really wait two, five, 10 seconds for this uh, web app to find the nodes, connect to them before you can send or receive a message. Um, and, and because and when you close the browser tab, you know the, the tab in the browser, same thing, you lose everything. So all the work you made, you have, you may have to restart from scratch or kind of restart from scratch. You still have to connect to the other node. Uh, and same thing for a mo- mobile phone. You know, a mobile phone uh, has uh, you have a data plan which has a limited bandwidth. you know you, you have five, ten, thirty 30 gigabytes of, of data per month. Um, and And so if you start to traffic to relay all the traffic of your network of your shards, then it's going to consume this bandwidth. And that's what happened with uh, with the first version of 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 Waku and with Port beforehand. Um, and I'm sure Corey Told everyone many times <laughs> is that. Um, yeah, burn phone uh, batteries see, and burn through data plans. Yeah, exactly. Burn through data plans. And I think that's the important part here is that, okay, uh, we have a backbone, which is the Waku Role network. We have a decentralized manner of sending messages across. Now, if I want to use a browser or a mobile phone, I can't really connect to that um, because of the bandwidth, uh, because it takes time to connect to Node, but also because to receive a message, I have to be online when the message is being sent, right? Because uh, the message goes through the mesh, but once it's gone through the mesh, it's done. So if I have a device, which is mostly offline, such as a mobile phone or browser, then I will miss a lot of the messages. So what we did is that we created a number of protocols that enable access to the Waku network uh, for these devices. Um, So one protocol is store and basically cache messages. So when a node in the cloud Receive message through the relay. It's going to save it in database, and as a browser, when I go or the phone, when I go online, I can do a, a store query and just say, "Hey, I'm, in, I'm interested in these messages. Uh, have you seen any of these messages in the past twenty-four hours?" And that's how then uh, a device, mostly offline, can still get access to the messages. And then we have similar protocol where uh, instead of using relay and forwarding all the messages I see. I'm just going to use uh, light push to just push one message to a node, and then this node is connected to the relay network and can do the propagation uh, to the relay network. Uh, and finally, the other last one we have is filter. And here is instead of receiving all the messages of the network again, I'm going to say, hey, I'm interested in this kind of messages. And um, uh, so a mobile phone connects to a, to a node of the work relay network and say, hey, I'm only interested in this kind of messages and this node can then forward all these messages to the mobile phone. Again, um, so that's safe bandwidth because you don't receive all the messages of the network, you just receive the one you are interested in. But of course, this has privacy, uh, I mean, it's private because now this remote node knows your IP and what kind of messages you are interested in to. So you, have, you always have to do some, uh, uh, sorry, yes.
2: Yeah, there's 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 some yeah. little subtlety there, right? So like if a if a light client or a mobile phone, right, can't handle the the main network, and it wants to try and ask a node for a specific set of messages, there's some level of obfuscating what those messages are, right? You can say like you can use bloom filters or typically the, the way of doing this saying I'm lo- I'm looking for messages that look like A B and C, and the more detailed you are, the more yeah. accurate the more narrowed down the messages you're looking for if you're really broad you can say give me all the messages that have the word two in them or like you know something that' allows for the node to answer that while not exposing the, the details of the message because they can't read them they're just sitting encrypted messages but uh like there is some level of privacy loss if you're asking for a group of messages because like you just said it gives you the ip and whatever whatever you've asked for they can make that connection. So if you're if you're acting as a full node and doing full relay and passing things on, then you've 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 you you're not giving away that information whenever you ask for whatever messages you're listening to.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, as I mentioned before, uh, what Cosistub is good at is recipient anonymity or not being able to link uh, the recipient of a message with the IP of the recipient. Um, but you lose that when you start to use this like a um, protocol. Uh, there's always, you know, some comprom- uh, you still have to. There's some drawbacks basically, and, and you could have solutions where you are going to use Tor and put Tor between yourself and and this nodes. So now your IP is uh, hidden, but of course Tor is slower and, and less reliable. So you always have to to turn the dial on this uh, anonymity trilema. Um, and maybe something good to ent- I mean, to mention now is uh, one of the key uh, aspect of Roku or one of the key components is is a content topic. So so how to address how do you do content addressing in the network. So how do you find your messages basically? Um, and so what we have is that we have a string basically on messages. This string, this uh, no letter and can be application status one, two, three. Um it is in clear text. So you whenever you send a message, you are you attach the string to it and every node in the network can see it. And when you use filter or store, then you're going to say to this remote node, here are the strings, here are the content topics I'm interested into. And, and that's exactly what you mentioned in the way that now, as a developer, I can decide if in this string I put the name of the recipient, then everyone's network will know that this message is for the, this recipient, uh, which is not great anonymity. But then the recipient will only receive the message uh, for, for itself. right? Because I say, hey, my name is Alice. Uh, connect to, to filter nodes, turn nodes, say, hey, give me all the messages for Alice, and you only receive a message for Alice. So it's great efficiency, but it's very poor privacy. Um, and, so, and so what you can do instead is, uh, is find, uh, and that's how status does it, is just find an alternative where uh, Alice is just going to grab, um, number one, and Bob and Carol, and you have 10 people which are all number one, and when you ask for messages, you just say, hey, give me messages for number one. And in this case, uh, this is not to say that maybe you are one out of 10 people, but you don't know which one you are. Uh, and that's how you can play and dial again. Like you, you are dialing between efficiency, bandwidth, you know, number of messaging you're getting uh, versus privacy, uh, and what we call K anonymity. You're part of a, K, a group of size K, 10 people. And so you're, you're one of 10, uh, which you know, is it, it, more anonymous than being one of one. Hmm.
0: Can the user. I was just going to say, can the user choose? Like if they're one of 10 or one of six or one of seven? Is that something that's, okay.
2: No, okay. it's a, that's a developer choice. Um, so the people who build the applications kind of choose how these content topics could be used. And eventually we'll have, um, like one of the things we're currently working on and doing research in within VAC is kind of automating this sharding or automating the way in which um, people belong to a specific content topic as the network scales out so that you maintain this level of um, reasonable anonymity or k anonymity while um, keeping the resources required to do messages low?
1: So, so yeah, so at this stage, as um, the developer, we already have to choose the content topic. But we um, developer also has to choose the pub of So they have to choose, OK, what gossip of network I need to be part of, uh, which is not great experience for the developer. Like don't we want to give the tools developer to make it easy for them. So one of the things we're looking at is that the developer choose the content topic. Um, and and then in terms of networking layer is done automatically for them. And they don't have to worry about it. And the Waku network knows or the Waku node knows uh, to to what network we belong to and uh and is able to apply this sharding this splitting of the network for efficient use of the bandwidth. Nice.
0: Does uh does Waku have any like limitations? Like what's the size of a message the max size? Can it go through? Like can I like so, for some messaging apps I could send like a PDF through with the message, I could send pictures with the message, I could send like a three-minute clip of audio with the message. What uh what's is there limits?
1: So uh, yeah, so um currently the limit is one megabyte uh, per message, but that's something we are going to fine-tune. Um as I mentioned earlier, what we want to to be able to do is say, um, we have a a shard and in this shard there is a maximum of X users. So 10,000 users is our our target actually. And and each user can send a a maximum of, let's say one message every 10 seconds or maybe 10 messages every minute. So we haven't yet decided on that, but have some rate limiting applied to this shard. Um, And that gives us now a maximum bandwidth usage. And then based on that, we can play with the message size to reach a point where it's reasonable to run Waku at home, all right? So, so yes, much as as it's one megabyte, but we'll probably reduce it to be able to play with that. Um, now, in terms of sending uh, bigger files over Waku, um, I think we do have to have a strategy there because um, it may not be, like if you limit the bandwidth, then someone that wants to send three megabytes uh, file and I have to split in small chunks and I have to wait 10 minutes to be able to reach uh, you know like the, the right meeting, uh, it's not going to be reasonable. And so most likely you want to look at alternatives, uh, no, no promises there on what we're going to do, but if you just think you know on top of my head you could have things uh, such as okay my privacy is not very important or you're happy for this person to know your IP and in this case you could you now have a direct connection to this person and send the file directly to them, uh, that's one way of doing things. Or you could use alternative technology you know such as BitTorrent or apfs to uh, to send this big or codex of course uh to send this uh <laughs> C-
0: codex did you say that, like uh, commercial
1: <laughs> to uh, to send the bigger file and say okay over waku you are going to send a reference and address uh to the file and then have the file store somewhere else so uh, we don't mm. have yet a recommendation at this stage but something like you just want to do to say okay if you want to send a file uh, more than this size, then it's, then the rate limit is going to take you know, three minutes for you to send it, or over one minute is not reasonable anymore. Over thirty seconds is not reasonable anymore. So you should go to codecs, IPFS, BitTorrent, direct connections, and then again, we want to give the tools to the developers so that they can decide uh, how they want to do it.
2: Nice. This today, and like this is part of ongoing research: is how do we scale Waku appropriately? Because um... If you if you can you can misuse these kind of content topics pretty pretty bad. So like if if you spam the network with a bunch of pictures, then everyone passes these things on and it degrades the, the quality of the network, right? But like there's ways of like status now currently uses like sends pictures and so on and profile settings and a bunch of other things across across Waku, which are in some cases larger than one megabyte. But there's a bunch of kind of efficiency tweaks you can do to keep specific media sendable via Waku. And, and and not like really mitigating things whether that you have like this kind of media content shard so like you just you propagate media through a different part mm. of the network and that's that's this distinction i think is worth making that pe- developers who are thinking about using waku should should consider when they're thinking about how to use waku is uh use different so if if you think about a gossip tub topic that's ostensibly a network that's the entire network And then if you think about content topics, those are basically contents, right? Those are conversations that are being happened. And so what you're trying to do is strategically use content topics so that you're listening and propagating things you want to do to various people. So you can be kind of selective on where you send things and who should be listening to it. So you're not, so not everyone is listening to everything or propagating everything. People are able to kind of pick and choose what they want to pay attention to and contribute to when they're when they're contributing to the network, right? If reason at some point we can maybe get into like, as a, if I run a, if I run a node, I'm only propagating messages associated with these things because that's what I care about. That's what I'm trying to support within the network. And so you have a network of nodes that are just doing the work that they think is important, mm-hmm. while not being inundated with all of the work of the entire network, which allows kind of this large. Amorphous network to scale autonomously.
0: If if that started happening, so happens, then you get like context... a Jesse? Nope, oh, you go, Jesse Cat. You sure you, you want to roll? You all right,
3: there? all right. So so in the context of like Status App and the communities rollout, and kind of trying to make cross comparisons between what Status App is trying to do with communities and what Discord has in terms of uh, separate Discord servers for people. Uh, And I believe communities being something akin to that um, Would this kind of content topics, uh, segregation of, I guess, media specific to a server or a community uh, be useful. So you could have like content topics specific for a community and then additional content topics specific for different types of media. And then the, the entities within a given community who are kind of running the, the i guess heavier protocols for relaying messages would would be like the owner of the community and maybe moderators or you know some some i guess some people with dedicated hardware and like normal users maybe with like mobile phones can like they can run these like lighter protocols to you know message in the in the community without having to have that uh that dedicated hardware is that kind of what you envision?
1: Um, yeah, so in terms of how status communities work at the moment, uh, so the content to pick is, um, it, it's it's, a, it's, a fir- it's the first letter of a hash of maybe the idea of the person or the idea of the channel or the idea of the community. And that's how you have this canon meeting. And that's on the content topic side of things. On, on the purpose of topic side of things, on the network side of things, on the sharding, uh, the, the initial design we went for is that one community gets one network uh, for messages, and then there's another network for yeah. control messages, which are these messages uh, need, which are not chat messages but uh, information needed to uh, allow other kind of features, you know, such as knowing that someone is online or knowing what is the, the, the logo of your community and things like that. And then a third network for media for media. So it, means that, uh, so it means that content topic could be present on all three networks, but it means that if you have, um, if you have, you know that you have to participate to the chat network to be able to send and receive chat messages uh, and the media is, is uh, segregated so that you can save some boundaries. Uh, this is, uh, this, this design is to enable uh, status to be launched uh, at this point in time. As mentioned earlier, what we want to achieve is reach a point where we know what is the expected bandwidth consumption for a given shard. And then with this information, we can enable the developer to say, hey, you could use several shards if you want because you want to segregate uh, some more heavy messages, such as the media messages, from your core feature, which are your, you know, your chat messages. And, and then it could be up to the developer to say, hey, or maybe even a user, you know, could say as the user, I want to, cons- to save bandwidth." So I'm not going to participate the uh, media shard. I just want my messages to be received over codex. You know? I may be, be slightly slower, but at least I don't have to uh, forward you know, images and things like that. Um, now in terms of, of, of the participation to the network, as you mentioned, and maybe uh, do people run special hardware or anything like that. So we try to aim, we aim for what could to be visible on the, on the home connection so so as a man, for example with a current version of status desktop uh, that you run on your laptop you are a full participant of your uh, of the waku network and of your community so you do for messages that are sent um from your community right so it's not you don't for messages from other communities or from other applications of waku uh, but you are a participant you are mm-hmm. a waku role node so you participate to the gossip sub network uh, of your community um and And that's currently the case. And I think the idea would be later to also enable users to not participate. If, let's say, they have, uh, you know, they don't have great boundaries or they have a data plan and they don't want to to participate, and they may have uh, to say, okay, I want to be like client, I want to use filter and light push and store, as we uh, mentioned earlier. Um, Now, in terms, finally, what we want to enable with Vaku, uh, the same way that we want to enable developer to be able to dial, you know, the trilemma like speed versus privacy. Um, we want also developers to be able to have their own business model, all right? In the ways that different applications may have different business models. And so, and what's interesting with status is that actually different communities in statutes may have different business models. So if you say you take an NFT community, so I am an artist, I have a community, and I create NFTs you are going to receive income from the participants of the community trading your NFTs. Okay you're going to have your royalties so that's how you get money in. So in this case you might just want to be the one to either run your own work server for the community or pay someone to run the work server. You are not going to expect members of the community to, to, uh, to run servers or anything like that because you are already extracting value from the members via NFT trading. If on the other hand, you are you are you are a Proprietary person, and you're creating a community so that Proprietary people can talk to each other, exchange tools and ideas, and so it's more of a, you know a hobby of and other things. Then in this instance, you are going to expect people from the community to help with the to help with the infrastructure, to either uh, run their nodes, maybe deploy some nodes, or maybe just enable uh, share some resources on your uh, desktop so that they can. Give some of the resources to participate to the community where kind of everyone is an equal, and the data are just here to to keep the conversation, uh, uh, you know, present and, and 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 on topic. So so you have like you know you have different business models, and so depending on these models, we may have scenarios where only uh, a small group of people are going to run the nodes, or pay someone else to run the node, or maybe we expect most people to run the nodes and uh or even them to kind of chip in like a, a discord server boost you know you chip in to to pay someone else to run the nodes depending on your on your tech level um, and we want to enable this so we want to enable all these scenarios so that each application each community can decide what's the best middle, business model for them
2: yeah i think that's perfect and also like jesse that's a good analogy for how status plans to use waku uh, and it it's it also highlights this kind of um, optionality that developers have to leverage different gossip subtopics and content topics to efficiently serve their their users in the way they want to and hopefully pass on those options to them to do things the way they want to. Like what you just described was status users getting to choose quite a bit of options not only in potentially um, who relays messages and the latency versus privacy aspect of it, but also options for incentivization within their own community as well so we're pa- like by providing options to developers they're able to choose a lot of pass those options on to their users to then let them do what they want to do and i think that's an important aspect of this they're not pigeonholing people into a specific set of things we're passing on a lot of options the the last point of this that i think we haven't gotten to one of the protocols built on top of relay is the store protocol can you kind of dive into what that is and why it exists
1: yes yeah, so when a device is mostly offline, uh, it, it can't participate to the Relay Network because, as mentioned, a message will go across the network and then it's gone. Uh, so if you're offline at this point in time, then you don't receive the message. So what we have done is we've created a simple protocol, uh, which is our, our store protocol, where a node in the Relay Network, if they have store enabled, they are going to save this message in the database um, and they can advertise as they are a store node so that next time um, a, bro- a browser, a mobile phone, or maybe even when you open your laptop, you know, and you connect to uh, to the internet, and you connect to some Waku node, then you can retrieve messages from when you offline. So at the moment, we have a very primitive um, uh, solution or implementation of it. We, we use SQLite, and we're looking to have Postgres there. Um, and so there's two things we want to improve. Uh, on one hand, we, we want, so using something like Postgres, for example, it means that someone's going to run one big database and store a lot of messages, uh, which is quite centralized. Okay, it, it, it's kind of, could say it's federated. It, it's not great centralization. There's still some decentralization aspect of it, uh, but it's not great. So one thing you want to move forward to is looking at, okay, what about a lot of people just store a bit of the messages? Uh, can we have a reliable service from that? Uh, If, you know, people, they run their their app on their laptop and they say, hey, I'm happy to share 50 gigabytes of uh, of my disk space with my community. Uh, And if you have enough people doing that in community, can you have a reliable service so that when I start my application, I can find the messages from various uh, other community members. That's one more thing you want to do. Uh, The other thing you want to do as well is uh, being able to swap the backend side. So as I mentioned, at the moment we use MySQL, uh, sorry, SQLite uh, and we're looking at adding Postgres as a, as a back-end, so as like the database, which actually stores messages. Um, and what we want to be able to do is actually be able to swap that so that we could use Codex, for example, instead. And so, um, and again, it's going to be a question of, you know, what are the trade-offs? Um, I think with things like SQLite and Postgres and having users sharing some of this space, uh, you are going to have some, uh, you don't have any guarantees that you're going to find all the messages in your community, for example. Uh, Was well, that something that Codex is, you know, aim to do, is be able to provide some guarantees uh, about that availability. Uh, and so be able to swap the backend to other uh, storage engines, such as Codex, uh, will enable to, to give you, uh, you know, to give more options to developers or other properties to developers, so that then they have a choice in how they want to implement things. Is that, is that something else you
0: wanted to uh i do i, I do but it's a little bit it's, it's different than what we were just discussing i, I wanted to know how <laughs> how we how how can i break waku you know what if i'm a bad guy i'm an adversary right mm-hmm. i'm a bad guy I'm like this waku is getting a lot of traction here i need to break it how is that possible How's it, is it robust to, to 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 add to bad people right uh,
1: so, yeah. So right now it's not robust. Okay. So right now we are still, uh, uh we're still working on, on things. Um, oh, so edit this
0: question out. <laughs> <answering>. <laughs> no, go ahead,
1: go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, I, I think it's more about, a roadmap, you know, what, what, what we're working towards to and how, and which other want to do things. Um, so we've been very focused in, in, in getting work was scalable for the usage of status, uh, which was. Which was putting in place uh, a sharding strategy. What comes with the sharding strategy is that um, you have p- nodes in different networks. Now you need to find these nodes which are in different networks. And how do you know in what networks they, they are? So you do have to add a number of features and functionality to this discovery layer. You know, when you go through the network and try to find nodes, uh, when you find the node details, you also need to know what shards they belong to the so that you can discard them or connect to them depending or not if you're interested in this shard. So so there's another feature where we had to add to discovery layer. And as we mentioned before, uh, currently it's quite manual. So as a developer, application developer, you have to decide what shard you're on. Uh, We want to make that, to abstract that away so that it's automated for the developer. Uh, The the next step we want to, for the rest of the year, we, what we did is we're going to focus in in building a a, healthy, Waku public network uh, as a kind of MVP, uh, as a way to achieve a roadmap. And the roadmap next is, is spam protection. So, or dose protection is how do we ensure that the network doesn't get broken if, uh, if we have someone who tried to attack the network and uh, either try to connect a lot of connections to the nodes and basically takes all the connections available on the nodes or try to send a lot of messages and try to flood the network and take all the bandwidth. Um, so that's one of the steps we want to do, and, um, and we have some ideas, so we do we do have a, a, a POC around RLN. Uh, RLN stands for Rate Limiting Nullifier. Uh, it's a ZK technology where uh, you generate a zero knowledge group. So what zero knowledge is good at is proving that you're part of a group without saying who you are in the group. Uh, and so the way we use it is that uh, Alice joins this uh, zero-knowledge group on, on the blockchain and when Alice sends a message, she attaches a proof, She actually a part of the group so that she, uh, she doesn't reveal her ethereum address when she sends a message because the proof, the uh, zk proof doesn't link to the ethereum address that allowed to join the group. Um, and what we do as well is that we say, okay, one proof every 10 seconds, okay? Uh, that's how we rate limit. Um, so we're going to have that in place. And so once you have that in place uh, with the sharding and with the message size, limits, that's how is, yeah, is things start to become predictable. And so let's say you have a maximum of 10 megabits of upload and download, you know, for your, uh, for your shard. Then so if, if an attacker tries to spam the network, well, they can't because they are rate limited. Uh, and if they, get, they try to go around the rate limit and send more than that, uh, they get removed from the ZK group. So that's uh, so that's basically that's kind of the basis of how we want to do things. Now there is still a lot of things to figure out. Uh, for example, you know, I talk about spamming connections, just trying to create a lot of connections. Uh, now it's like, okay, how do you uh, link tie that back to the message You know, like someone's create a connection but not using it or is not doing anything useful for it, how do you know that and decide okay, well, I'm going to key this connection so that I don't get you know uh, any connection hoggers. Um, I mentioned Alice joining a ZK group on-chain, a zero-knowledge group. Okay, how do we want Alice to join the group? Uh, our first POC is on staking. Uh, we played around with Interrep as well. Um, and it's question, okay, how do we manage that? And maybe we want different ways of uh, of joining the group. Uh, one of the things I'm very in, for example, is that one of our users uh, is Raidgun. So Raidgun has a zero-knowledge smart contract uh, that enables their users to uh, so they get some ZK notes, you know, they get some money in smart contracts. so they don't have notes to pay people in smart contract. And once they want to have a DeFi transaction done, they are going to pay a, a relayer um, to do the transaction for them. So that they don't interact. So as a user, I only interact with a blockchain by interacting with smart contract, uh, and then nobody sees my DeFi activity. Um, and what's interesting there is that so any user has a ZK node, has, is already part of a ZK group in the regular smart contract. And I'm trying to, to see, okay, can we then use that for them to join the RN group, for example, and just enable these use cases and there cases where they can use Waku, it's quite limited, but they, they don't have to join the different, different ZK group or things like that. So that's a lot of work in progress. Um, and once we have, maybe sorry, um, finally, once we have spam protection in place and things are more predictable, then we can walk into incentivization. How do we pay for the infrastructure? How do we get people to run node and share their disk space and share them bandwidth and be paid for it? Uh, and that's A walk with token. To the next step.
2: <laughs>
1: just, <laughs> just jumping in. Well, um, uh, the thing is that we, we want to make it, again, we want to enable different business models. So, uh, not locked in in solution at uh, this point in time, um, but yeah.
2: That's a reasonable place to Thank wrap, you. I think. Um, what's the, what do you want people to do? Like if people are listening to you, how do they learn more? Where do you want them to go? How do they contribute? How do they run a Waku node? Like where do they, like, how do they figure more out?
1: Yeah. So we do have, um, so as point in time, we check, check out our Twitter, Waku underscore Org. Uh, we have a Discord, our uh, Waku Discord, and people can run a node. They're definitely encouraged to run a node. We are. Uh, we do have documentation to run a node. Uh, we have some options to run it with Docker, and uh, and we are surely, you know, improve the documentation. And I hope this week we are able to release our documentation website that will contains more details uh, on what was the concept. Uh, after that, we are going to revamp our uh, Just the documentation, so that web developer, web app developers can join in and start to build on Waku uh, using um, uh, our JavaScript uh, library. Um, yeah, so come in, join the community, and uh, try to run a node.
2: Thanks, Frank. Frank, my bad.